Hey, this is Heath Paget, and welcome to the RV Entrepreneur Podcast. This is episode number 11. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome to the podcast. I launched the RV Entrepreneur to be a resource for anyone who is working to create a remote income while traveling full-time. In each episode, I sit down and interview people who live, work, and travel full-time in RVs as they run their remote businesses from all over the country and sometimes the world. Today, I'm joined by a couple named Christian and Alyssa Jinko. They are 23 and 24 years old, but have achieved more at their age than a lot of people who are probably 10 to 15 years older. Christian is the founder of several different online businesses. The two most prominent ones are called DB Inbox and textbooksplease.com. And Christian also has a TEDx talk that's been viewed well over 100,000 times called Why You Should Learn to Code. Christian and Alyssa both received full rides to SMU University and were able to graduate college with absolutely no student debt, which is awesome, and I'm a little bit envious of them, and immediately jump right into the RV lifestyle and travel full-time while Christian's online projects paid for their income and their travels. And something that Kevin Halesh and I talked about in the last episode of the podcast was this idea of freedom on the road and how powerful that can be while we were so young. Kevin mentioned how he could take on several different investors and try to go from two and a half million users on his app to something like one billion. He already has two and a half million, but it might come at the cost of his freedom, which at this point in his life wasn't worth it. And something that Christian Alyssa and I talk about today was once you get this quote unquote freedom, once you start a business that allows you to travel, explore, and be able to do basically whatever you want, be able to wake up whenever you want, what do you spend your time doing? Because while it sounds great to have such autonomy before retirement, once you achieve it, then what? If you are somebody who works hard enough and busts your butt hard enough to start a business that allows you to get out of uh, you know, a nine to five job or something that you have to clock into every day, you're probably not going to be a person who is content with you know, waking up and going golfing every day or just not doing anything at all. And Christian and Alyssa have some really awesome answers for what they've done now that they've attained this freedom and also some practical ways for anybody to start learning how to code on their own. Uh, something personally for me, I've really been intimidated by learning to code and develop and if you're a non-tech person you probably felt this as well you almost feel like you're left behind because you don't know how all of the coding stuff works what is html what is css you know how do you start a software company all of these things that we just don't know and christian has some really awesome answers to how to just practically start learning this without being too overwhelmed Oh, and this interview was also recorded in the middle of their RV with all three of us sitting around the mic. So if it sounds a little bit echoey during the interview, that's, well, partly because Christian was sitting on a beanbag across the RV, <laughs> but it's a bit more conversational than some of the other interviews I've had where it's just back and forth, but it's really fun. And I think you guys are really going to enjoy this episode with Christian and Alyssa Jenko. Let's get into it. All right. I am here with Christian and Alyssa Jinko. And Alyssa is an ex-third grade teacher turned yoga instructor slash weekend workshopper at Tech Evangelist. And she helps kids and adults build confidence through wellness practices and public speaking. And Christian is a micro-entrepreneur, aka web developer, who has started several well-received projects like D Binbox. Did I pronounce that right? You can pronounce it however you want. And textbooksplease.com. 
And we are trying a new experiment with this podcast. So if it's, if we sound a little bit more echoey, it's because we're all sitting in a circle in the RV and we are just trying out a little bit different. So just be patient with us. Christian's Dinbox has around 50,000 users and it's basically a site that integrates with Dropbox and allows people to receive large files, which I downloaded this morning, did some file exchanges. So it's, it's really cool. And textbooksplease.com is the dream of every current college student and basically allows you to easily compare the price of textbooks in a matter of seconds. So to help college kids saves lots of money and collectively these projects make more money than you guys spend and you said that you're on track to financially retire by the time you're 30 years old or at least that's the goal and you guys live in an rv so thanks for having me over yeah, thank you so much for for coming over we feel so cool especially after those bios <laughs> it's, it's it's always a little weird getting to hear your bio while you're sitting here you know i could do it before the podcast starts but i like doing it in person because i feel like it sets the tone it's a good little ego boost before we get into it. exactly that's yeah it's Totally. Even though we wrote them ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> so we, you reached out to me after my last podcast episode and I got an email from you. It was like, hey, it looks like you're in Denton and we are young and we live in RV and run our business around the road. So we should hang out. And you were a half hour away. So I jumped in the car and we came over and started hanging out. But you guys have a really awesome story. I have so many questions because I probably had more fun. I know I had more fun researching you guys than I have basically researching anybody for the podcast. I've had a lot of really cool guests. But I have to ask you guys first, when you first meet somebody and you tell them your story, who you guys are, you know, your overall story, what do you tell them? Well, I actually just met someone new the other day. So I met up with friends for coffee and I knew most of them and there were two new people I didn't know. And one of them turned to the new person and said, oh, this is the girl I was telling you about. She and her husband live in an RV. So I guess that's kind of become our main identifying your factor. Label. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they live in an RV. Yeah. <laughs> I think for a while we were we're telling people that we lived in a van down by the river. I I do that all the time. (laughs) I think we're basically modern hippies. Yeah. Yeah. But you're totally not, right? You guys are doing really cool things. Talk to me a little bit about the work that you guys do. So I'm doing uh, mostly web stuff right now. And it's great because I've gotten to the point where my projects, like you said, my projects are making more money than I'm spending. So I can basically just work on whatever I want. I wake up in the morning and whatever problem I'm having that day. Uh, I can spend however long I want fixing the problem and making a tool just to to shave just a little bit of time so the next time I can do it in two seconds instead of 30 seconds, uh, which is ideal for me. It's fantastic. I can devote as much time as I want to whatever passion I'm feeling at the moment, and I get to sleep in as late as I want. It's (laughs) it's the ideal lifestyle. Yeah, because I wake up to take the dog out in the morning. (laughs) You can sleep in. I mean, it's not incredibly feasible for two 23-year-olds to be able to get married like you you guys did uh, December of 2014. And then basically be self-financed. Mm-hmm. So what were you doing in the last few years in college that basically helped you guys prepare for this moment? I mean, had you thought about moving into an RV while you were in college? Was this just something you guys saw on online or like, oh, that would be cool, you know, living <laughs> in a van down by the river. So how did you guys, you know, get here? The biggest part of it that got us to this point was that we both went to college for free. We both had full scholarships that covered everything. We paid, I think, over the entire four years of college, including a study abroad trip to Australia and Thailand and Vietnam and Malaysia and uh, London and England and uh, I guess we went to Ireland too. Mm -hmm. All of that uh, over four years, I think I paid a total of $5,000 mostly in travel expenses and extra food that I went out to eat. So we graduated completely debt-free. Uh, as soon as we started making money, that all went into savings. So we were, that, that put us, you know, years ahead of, of where we would have been otherwise. Uh, we were incredibly fortunate to do that. And actually, I have a talk online of how 
uh, to go to college for free and kind of how we, how we did that and how to set yourself up for it. So that was the, that was the biggest thing actually moving into the RV. Alyssa's over here shaking her head. Why are you doing that? <laughs> Shameless self-promotion. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, no, but I have to say though, in your defense, there's nothing wrong with shameless self-promotion, but <laughs> I was reading your, I didn't watch your whole talk cause it was 41 minutes and yeah. we just got in touch yesterday. Uh, so naturally limited time span, but I did read all your notes and I was just reading that thinking, man, this guy was really smart. Both of you guys were president scholars and, uh, did you actually get to go to the white house or is that a different thing I'm thinking? Of? No, it was, it's the, like the university's president's oh, okay, okay. scholars. Still, though. They don't we got to go to the university president's we house. We did. <laughs> hang out yeah, with R. Cool. Gerald Turner. <laughs> but what I was saying was, I mean, there has to have been something that happened earlier on in y'all's lives that basically set you up to be that prepared in high school and have that depth of knowledge that you weren't just good at school, but you had a lot of just common sense to be able to see that there's more outside of just purely education you know anyway but we'll talk about that more in a minute you were you were on a track before i interrupted you yeah so the the question you would ask originally was how we had decided to go into the into the rv and that actually we yeah so that was back when i was teaching last year because i taught third grade and i loved teaching but it was really stressful because i skipped student teaching and went straight to teaching full-time as an internship instead because maybe it's that common sense of I didn't want to be paying tuition and working for free for a semester and then trying to find a job in January mm-hmm. at a school district. So I was like, oh, I'll just teach for a year instead and get paid. Why not? It was pretty stressful. And so one day we were having a heart to heart and he was trying to talk me off the ledge or talk me up the ledge to quit <laughs> early. And he was asking, what would be your dream job? What would you do? It's like, well, I just want to travel and eat and get paid for it. <laughs> um, what every 24 year old and I don't even remember who brought it up, living in an RV, but he's been trying to get into tiny houses for forever. And I've never been a big fan of the idea because I like being able to spread out and have my books and my bookshelves. But then an RV is the tiny house, but you get to travel and eat. And I started blogging about it as well. Maybe someday that'll actually be generating income. <laughs> see all those Amazon affiliate links that pay off. Yeah, right now that business is uh, is operating a loss. But yeah, this this <laughs> looked at the we looked at the the options and this looked like the perfect compromise. And from that we just kind of got off the ball rolling. And I think from the I remember that conversation we were we were sitting in bed talking about it. And I think from that conversation to when we actually bought the RV because you went crazy and researched every single yeah. thing within four states of every possible alternative. I like to say that the options. he's the look and I'm the leap. Because I, I normally, I move really fast. And I think I got that from my parents. So if, once you have an idea, you research every aspect and you do it. I'm not going to sit and wait for mm-hmm. two years. and like, ah, oh, I guess now would be a good time to maybe start thinking about. And from that, we had spreadsheets of every RV and the, the attributes yeah. I had and the price and, and how many square feet <laughs> yeah. it was per thing. But then, yeah, we got it, completely gutted it, completely redid it. And uh, moved in probably just a few months after that. We just spent the, the summer renovating it. Mm-hmm. And then Which we was a terrible the... idea in Texas. Oh, it was awful. Because the air conditioning was off and you're doing all the manual labor. Just lots of sweat went into it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's funny that you guys are kind of, roles are a little bit reversed. But mine was very much like, hey, here's this crazy idea. We can live in an RV. We can go travel around. Have no idea whether it's a permanent life solution or it's temporary. And then Alyssa basically got on Google Maps and pinterest and started planning out different routes these Mm -hmm. would be really cool places to go and visit and this is how long it would take us and this is how much we can probably expect to pay in gas and things like that so it's just interesting you guys are a little bit reversed in that you're the one that's like let's just go 
Yeah. Like, let's not talk about it. That's awesome. <laughs> <clears throat> so real quick, would you guys also explain to me what kind of projects are y'all working on right now? I know you said you make things, you solve different problems. Uh, what are some of the projects that you are working on and a couple that have been successful for you to that actually generates income? And the same for you, Alyssa. Oh, man. How much time do you have? <laughs> <laughs> let's do top two projects. Top two projects. So top two right now are DB Inbox, like you said, which is the, the file transfer utility. And that one I started, I started that in college and... Uh, just as an experiment, because I, I, like you, was researching this web business and the web entrepreneurship thing. And uh, I was looking at how to do credit card payments and just thinking, okay, I'm terrified of credit card payments. I don't know how this works. I'll just, I'll find an old project that I had that was sitting around and I'll just put credit card payments on it just to see what happens. And the first day that I implemented them, this would have been, uh, this would have been two Septembers ago. Uh, when I pushed the feature that added credit card payments, I had I think it was, I think it was 10 people sign up for the $30 a year plans. And I did the math on that, like, okay, 10 people, $30 or $300 a day. That's a lot of money. This, yeah. <laughs> this could, this could actually be something. And it just continued from there. And, uh, I thought it would be a fluke and, and, and die off, but it, it continued like that. So that's the, that's the main thing. And, and from how many, that, how many users did you have at that point? At that point, I had, I think around 20,000 users. And how were you getting new users? I saw you, you were on Lifehacker and some things like that. Were you proactive on marketing that service? Or? No, I did nothing. <laughs> I'm a terrible business owner. I just really like making <laughs> useful things. Um, the, the marketing side of it and the, the business side of it, I've read a lot about it and I really appreciate people like Patrick McKenzie that are just really good at it, but I'm terrible at it and I don't like it. And, uh, I don't, I don't really want to improve on it. Although I know I should. Um, and I'm laughing because he says that and one of my main jobs is answering his customer support emails. <laughs> because we would be he'd be we tried to get him to inbox zero. So on most driving days while he's driving, I just go through his email inbox and we triage it. And I would say, okay, you need to respond to these people. It's been sitting in your inbox for four months and they just want a refund. You yeah. need to like take care of it. And he wouldn't, so I started doing it. And I guess now I'm stuck with it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's anyway. been really nice because yeah. now I can I can further focus on just the product. So that's that's the main thing. That's the main project. Second place would be a tie between five different projects because at any point in time I'm working on a bunch of different things. Probably the the textbook search engine that you uh, that you mentioned, Textbooks Please, is a big one uh, that lets you find lets you find the cheapest price in textbooks. You just enter the the book title or the author, and then it shows you the price on thirty different websites. Um, and that, that makes money from through affiliate fees. If someone actually buys the book, mm -hmm. then I get a, a percentage of that. Is that kickback through Amazon or the individual textbook companies? Both, yeah. Okay. So I link to Amazon and also to Eight Books and to uh, Half.com. And if anyone buys a book through any of those, I get a kickback. What are, how often do people buy books? Like, do you it's very that? seasonal. It's only, it's only in the summer and then uh, I guess in the, in the winter when the, the gap between semesters. It's like September and, or August and January are the two big Huge ones. spikes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So during those two months, that probably makes, oh, over the year, that probably makes like maybe $4,000 uh, between those two semesters. And NDB Inbox makes, you know, more than more than 10 times that. <laughs> so that's the, the main focus right now. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Alyssa? And then for me, so I kind of had a, a little period of just not doing anything, just coming off of the teaching third grade and working those crazy hours. So when we were traveling, we did that first um West Coast or East Coast tour, New England. I didn't really do anything. I was just just relaxing. enjoyed life. <laughs> yes, right. yeah. Why well, you were you were planning everything. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And I actually use Furcot for ours, F U R K O T, and I'm probably saying it wrong. Which, if Alyssa's interested in planning tools, I can send it. <laughs> <laughs> so I was doing the planning and figuring out where we'd be and calling the place yeah. to get the stay. And then once we got back here um, to visit our families for holidays, Christmas, New Year's, and all that, I started building up my yoga business because over the summer I kind of took a break from the renovation to do a yoga training course that was three weeks 
7 a.m. to 7 p.m. It was awesome. And then I wanted to actually... The goal was to use that on the road as we were traveling, but I was having trouble finding people as we were traveling because we'd only be in a place for maybe three days. Mm -hmm. But now that we're here, I actually just have a Craigslist ad and it works surprisingly well. I've got, I think, four recurring clients now and I'm adding a couple more in the coming weeks. I've only had one kind of weird request through Craigslist and they wanted to know if I would go teach yoga for a nudist colony. (laughs) (laughs) Hard pass on that. (laughs) Uh, And then I also just dabble in a couple other. So I also babysit and then there's a Rover app that's dog sitting. And I can pull in a couple hundred dollars in a weekend for that, which is nice because I just go to someone's house and I stay and use their Netflix and play with their dog and they pay me for it. It's a dream. Yeah. I love dogs and Alyssa won't let me have one in the RV, so oh. it's really unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, I had to do a lot of convincing to get this guy. <laughs> I think one day I'll just show up with a dog. <laughs> just be like, I found him. She's like, what is all the receipts that you went to the shelter? <laughs> I found these two. <laughs> it's weird. You just had them. Somebody left them. <laughs> Um, that's really, do you think that there's any potential for you maybe even taking your yoga business and partnering up with somebody like we use planet fitness when we were traveling because they're, I think they have over 800 locations or something Mm -hmm. like that across the country, even partnering up with them to say, Hey, like I'm going to go around in different cities and promote planet fitness and teach yoga here once a week. And I don't know. That's part of it. And I'm also trying to build up, eventually I'll build up the social media to the point where I'm hopefully well enough known that I can post to my followers, hey, I'm going to be in Denver next weekend, and then I can fill up a workshop or something. Yeah, that would be awesome. that reminds me. Okay, another thing I do, public speaking workshops. It was in my bio, and I forgot to say it. So that started because of him being in TED, and I went to one of the TED conferences, and they mentioned the TED Ed Club that you can start in schools. I started that at the school I taught at, and I just really loved it. And then I turned it into a week-long public speaking workshop summer camp, and then I recently just did a weekend version of that as well. And so it teaches kids public speaking kind of through the format of a TED Talk where they choose a topic, they brainstorm, they outline, they make the presentation materials, they learn speaking habits, and then at the end of the camp, their family and friends all come and they all give their talk. That's really cool. That's very cool. Really cool topics. Yeah. I actually have a friend who has a website that is a fitness-related website, and so it's been interesting to see. It's called Nerd Fitness. Okay. And yeah. his name's Steve Cam. You know him? Yeah. Well, That's I've, so cool. Yeah, I've got to meet quite a few times, and he, he's involved in the world domination community, and then he's in Nashville. We have a lot of friends there. And so I've got to film some of his stuff and, and go to some of his little workouts in, like, random parks and things like that. Have you heard of him? I've heard the World Domination Summit. Okay. Yeah. Well, anyway, Steve's basically, like, a nerdy guy. He plays video games and things like that, and he was like out of shape and so basically started a website that catered towards people who had similar interests and i mean he's built it up i think he's got like eight or nine employees or something like that and you know he has his membership site that kind of pays for premium content and then he does like a nerd fitness camp every year that he's done for the past two years where people come together it's like 250 people and they dress up it's almost like a comic-con mix (laughs) of anyway it's really cool so i just think that you know it's cool to see people building businesses around something like that yeah maybe you will do (laughs) alyssafitness.com no one knows how to spell it though oh shoot That's, that's the main problem we'll buy every domain name it's an iteration of Alyssa. So I want to, you guys, you were president scholars at your university, maybe not for the U.S. president, but still very established <laughs> and did really well in high school. And when you said that, you know, you had your colleges paid for, it wasn't because your parents paid for them, because you guys worked your butt off for several years and were able to get your colleges paid for. Mm-hmm. And did you, you had a full ride at SMU as well. Mm-hmm. Wow. You guys are very smart. Talk to me, you know, because there's this conception around a lot of people who live in RVs and travel and things like that. Well, 20 years ago, it was that they were either retired or they couldn't afford anything better. But you guys are obviously well off. You're successful, not just by a 20 
How old are you guys? 24 now? 23, 24. 24. Not by just a 24-year-old standard, but just in general in life. And yet you're living in an RV. And you could be living in a nice studio apartment in downtown Dallas or or whatever. not trying to get you to dream over here because it is. (laughs) But, you know, why does living in an RV make sense? And how do you think that that kind of speaks more about our generation as a whole as far as like what we consider successful that's a really good question it's fundamentally about freedom because uh, like you said i mean we could be in a in a 20-year mortgage right now we have a lot of friends that are our age that uh, are now going to be in debt for the next 20 years and then after that for paying for their their kids education but we're in a position now where i i guess i guess going back to the generation question i think this generation is unique in that we have realized that time is the more valuable asset, that it's not about the bigger house, it's not about the nicer car, it's not about uh, having the corner office, it's about time, and it's about enjoying the time that you're spending alive and uh, and really getting the most of that as you can. So, I mean, for us, this lifestyle, I think, optimizes our freedom of time. We can wake up and literally do whatever we want. We can We can wake up at whatever time we want. We can go wherever we want. If we wanted to go down to Austin and stay there for a month, we could just do that tomorrow. Uh, there's nothing holding us back. And uh, so, yeah, I, I cannot imagine a better lifestyle that maximizes freedom and maximizes uh, choice and happiness of, of dominion over your time. You don't have to feel like you guys aren't contributing because you're helping be, people be healthier, Alyssa, and you're helping people get cheaper textbooks right. and <laughs> also manage their files. But I mean, you're solving real life needs that right. people are willing to pay for. And so you're contributing. And so it's not like you're just bumming it around in an RV. Right. You're actually making real life contributions. Right. And uh, what about you, Alyssa? Do you have anything to layer in on that? I'll say, because we're basically retired already. And in terms of, we're still working. Right. But we're doing work that we really enjoy doing. Retired lifestyle. Yes, okay. exactly. And I think you, you got it with the freedom of everything. But instead of getting a house and then having to work for you know, 40, 50 years and then be able to retire and do everything we're doing now, we, we kind of just skipped that and went straight to the, the end phase. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. And we'll never be in debt probably for the rest of our lives. We bought the RV in cash and it costs, you know, about as much as a used car would. Mm-hmm. Um, How much did this RV cost? We bought it for 15000 exactly. So 15000 with tax and title. Yeah. And we'll post some pictures in the show notes because it's really cool looking in here. I know we're on a <laughs> podcast, so you guys can't actually see it, but you're missing out. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then, yeah, it was uh, it was from 1998 was the body, and then we 99. 99. Ah. You'll get it. <laughs> 1999. So it was it was very gross inside, uh, but we ripped everything out and we uh, did some renovations, and we we spent more on the renovations than I would have liked. But uh, it still came out to to about what a what a car would have been. I think if we, we were bought a second car. Just about at 25k for everything. For everything. Yeah. And we could have done it cheaper, but. You know, like, I really like the ceiling tiles instead of I too. had just yeah. carpet. Thing. And there's a lot of things that we splurged on, like the, the solar battery system so that we can we can be off-grid more. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's something that if we ever sold the RV, we could we could resell that as a, as a package. Yeah. So in it, I hate calling it a, an asset because it's not, it's not generating revenue, but the money that we put into it could be taken back out. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, it's not necessarily an asset, like you said, but the alternative is staying in an apartment that is pushing money away. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like a... It's a non-liability, but yeah, I see what you're saying. Going back to the the freedom that you guys are talking about, people bring that up a lot, especially people that are young and RVing. It's like, oh, it's it's about the freedom for sure. 
But what does that mean for you guys as far as like the growth that you can have? Because what are you doing with that freedom? Like, is it exploring? Is it uh, taking time to learn a new programming language, maybe or practicing yoga and learning those things? Like, what can you do with that freedom of time? Once you have it, what are you doing with it? I said, my dad just asked me that question last week. And it's a, it's a great question. So the answer is you can do anything you want. And if you don't know what you want to do, that means that your freedom can be spent figuring out what you want to do. <laughs> so for me personally, I'm, uh, I'm learning French. I'm learning, uh, the mnemonic major system, which is a, a method of memorizing numbers, uh, really quickly. Uh, I'm learning, uh, Toki Pona with Alyssa, which is a language of like 150 words so that we can talk and code to each other in front of other people. Awesome. Um, and then reading, you know, I, I probably go through one or two, uh, books a week of, of nonfiction, kind of the self-help business genre. And then Alyssa reads probably like 10 books a week. Yeah. Wow. I love, it's all fiction though. So it's not necessarily the self-improvement kind of stuff. <laughs> it's mostly like dragons and fantasy. Yeah. But, yeah. but it's all about, it's all about uh, self-betterment and making yourself a better person. I think in Star Trek, they had a great quote about this because they, they encounter a civilization that doesn't have, or that, that is used to dealing with money and, and uh, capitalism. And they say, well, what do you do with all your time if, if you can just do whatever you want? And uh, Captain Kirk says, oh, well, you know, you just self-better yourself and you, you spend your life doing whatever you want to do. So that's, that's really what it's about for me. A few months ago, I was really focused on diet and how I can really maximize diet and make the food that I'm eating really contribute as much as it can be to myself. And I researched everything and I read a whole bunch of different books on diet. I ended up on uh, Mark's Daily Apple. He has a book called The Primal, uh, the Primal Lifestyle. And that got me into the paleo diet. And that then transitioned to the ketogenic diet. And from that, I realized holy cow, ketogenic diet will, is one of the best uh, preventative, preventative diets that you can have for minimizing your risk of cancer and of seizures and of strokes and of all of these like autoimmune disorders and of any kind of, any kind of metabolic disease, so like diabetes. So uh, we transitioned everything. You know, I threw out all the, all the carbohydrates that were in the, in the RV, which didn't take very long. There's not a very big pantry. Um, but now because of that research, because I had the freedom to go off and just completely dive into this topic of diet. Now I've invested this and now for the rest of my life, I will have what I believe is the maximum diet for my health and for my lifestyle. So being able to do things like that, I think is really paying dividends. Yeah, absolutely. For me, it's more about being able to explore the new places, right? So being able, it's the same house and you can take it anywhere, but I really love when we're in state parks and I can just walk out the door and there's a gorgeous lake or mountains or forests or a river with bluffs and it can be a different place every week. And there's all the different hikes and the different people, different food. I love the food. <laughs> <laughs> and just being able to kind of be a local wherever we go. Yeah. Something, there's something like you guys, we're in an RV park right now in Yale's RV. And it's like, they're nice because there's a pool here and things like that. But whenever we, we were in the Hot Springs National Park last week and it's like, you're uh, you're next to the stream and it's like, you feel like you're, this is what it should be, what mm -hmm. it's supposed to be. And when you guys go do the West Coast, and you're going up the Pacific Coast Highway in your rig because you guys have to. That, to me, is like one of the coolest moments ever. It's like, this is why I'm doing this. And you're camping on the bluffs of the ocean. Like, you guys should go tomorrow. <laughs> um, we might. We could. <laughs> did, you, did you guys get any pushback from your family and friends when you told them that you were going to live in an RV? Surprisingly, no. I really thought that my... Because my family's pretty traditional. So I, I thought they'd be worried about, you know, maybe becoming a hippie, right? But no. They, they're all the main reaction is I'm so jealous. I wish I could do that. Yeah, <laughs> they could. I think the only pushback we got was from my uh, my grandparents, who said uh, who said that we should 
just buy a house and have children as soon as possible. <laughs> I think they're uh, they're issued for for great grandchildren. But yeah, no, on the on the whole, it's been really supportive. Yeah, everyone's uh, everyone's inspired to get their own RV now. And yeah, his mom wants to get one and join us on a caravan. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, you guys, y'all made your first trip out east in the RV. Did you have any crazy things happen? I saw there was a hole in the tires at one point. Very and, first uh, day. First day out, we had just finished all the renovations and we'd finally loaded up the car on the tow dolly. And uh, yeah, there was a giant hole in the in one of the tires. We didn't even notice until we stopped for gas. Yeah, <laughs> and then the oh no, the first time that we took the car off, we uh, we didn't realize how the tow dolly worked, and we we were trying to take the car off because we had pulled the RV in at an angle, so the tow dolly was on the back of it crooked. Yeah, which meant that one of the car's wheels on top of the dolly was much further back than the other. So we couldn't get the chain off, the safety chain underneath mm-hmm. it. So we were going to try and pull the car forward onto the tow dolly, but that didn't work. And, and then I had the idea of, oh, we'll just we'll just unhitch the tow dolly from the from the RV, and then kind of finagle it over and with then the car attached. With the car attached, was it? And I'll uh, just lift the entire the car. The tow dolly so. that has the two wheels on the front mm-hmm. and then two on the okay, yeah. 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 Oh, it only has it's only the front two wheels. Oh, and the so right. The, yeah, the yeah. car's back wheels are on the ground. Front wheels are on the tow dolly. Yeah, we That's have it right outside this window. If you want to see it, That's uh, funny. Well, we we left Austin when we first bought our and connected to the tow dolly which a lot of people were like oh you know be careful with the tow dolly they're kind of sketchy and we made it four hours down the road and i didn't pull over to like check or retighten the straps <laughs> or anything and i get back and i'm pumping gas and Alyssa's like is it supposed to look like that and i looked at it and the car was we were at an ankle too and so but the front wheel was like falling off granted i think i what i did was i was supposed to be in neutral and it was in drive or park one of the whatever oh, i was no. supposed yeah. to be i had it in the opposite okay and we, we ended up just kind of like looking at each other and there was this bolt that was loose and apparently it was supposed to be loose. We found out later, but we had like these people <laughs> next door, like giant wrenches, like getting, <laughs> trying to get the bolt off. Long story short, we ended up just looking at each other and be like, we're going to be on the road for seven months moving quickly. Do, do we want to take this coat, this two dolly in this car? So we ended up just leaving and doing our trip without the car. And, it was fine. What did you do with the car then? Did you? Oh, we dropped it off at my grandma's house in West Texas because oh, so it wasn't on our route, so we just dropped it <laughs> off and magically it got back home somehow. So one of our family members came out and picked it up. Oh. I think. That's funny. You guys, how long have y'all been living in RV now? A little over a year since? Yeah, just about a year. Yeah, since August. Since well, August. What would you say has been the biggest thing that it's taught you, either about yourself or each other, living in a small space? I think going towards. It kind of you have to be more of a have a more minimalistic lifestyle in terms of belongings. So I mentioned books. I literally had an entire wall of bookshelves because you know, they weren't just books to me. It was memories. Oh, this is the book I read when I was at the skating rink in sixth grade, and Greg Saltz asked me out for the first time. Um, but right. now <laughs> he's gonna listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, Christian won in the end. Um, and now I think I just have two or three books that I keep in the RV, and then the rest of them I rotate through. Of reading them and then going back to half price and getting pennies on the dollar for what I paid and getting new books. So minimalism and then in terms of clothing as well. I have what I like to call a capsule wardrobe now. So I've simplified it down where I just have just neutral colored tops and then my fun leggings. Yeah, I like your dollar bill leggings. These are nice. I wore them because it's an entrepreneur podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like you should be like dancing on like a music video, like Jay-Z or something. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. That was the main thing for me, mostly because it was a big struggle. Even going from a one-bedroom apartment 
to this RV and having to sell all the furniture and realizing how much stuff we had accumulated in a year in that apartment was pretty eye-opening. Yeah, I liked the one of you guys wrote a blog about the downsizing process and there's yeah. like flow charts and things yeah. like that. Like, <laughs> I love that. I'll link to that in the Can you talk to me a little bit about the sure. downsizing process? Yeah, so that was oh man, it was a long process. And so once we decided we were going to be in the RV, we started trying to sort through and figure out what was actually going to go with us. So for probably three or four months in the apartment, we just had giant piles of stuff in different rooms. So the bedroom was, okay, this is going to go into the RV. The living room was, we're going to get rid of it. And then further subdivided in that is, are we going to try to sell it? Do we think it could actually have value? Or are we just going to donate it? So stuff that got sold was like electronics, cookware, and then stuff that got donated was random picture frames. Because yeah, we could have sold them, but the time it would have taken wasn't worth it. Yeah. And a big help for selling things was those Facebook groups. That's the buy and sell groups. So I posted in there and then we had a garage sale. It rained. It wasn't very successful. Mm. And the biggest thing for downsizing is if you're going to get rid of it anyway, and I had to realize this the garage sale, it'd be better to sell it even just for a dollar because the alternative is loading it up in my brother's pickup truck and then having to drive it to Goodwill myself. Yeah. There's that, who's that lady that you read? Oh, the, uh, yeah, one of the books I read was about uh, tidying up. Oh, the magic of tidying magic up, of tidying life-changing up. magic of tidying Right, mm-hmm. right. We just read that, and it's, yeah, really interesting, because it's, it's along the same topic. Because the less stuff you have, if you could really reduce the stuff you have into what truly makes you happy, into, I think her phrase is, what brings you genuine joy, just picking up everything you have and saying, okay, is this really making me happier? Is this item making my life better? And you do that for everything you have, you'll end up with a much smaller set of stuff that really makes you happy. And then you'll look around the room and think, oh, I love everything in here. Everything in here serves a very direct purpose. There's no piles of junk. There's no huge piles of stuff that I don't need that I'm never going to use. It uh, it just makes you overall happier. And yeah, that's that to me was the best benefit of moving into an RV because it kind of forces you to make that decision. Like every piece of clothing I own right now fits in that one cabinet. And that just makes me so happy. I have it. It's all very organized. It's all stuff that I like. I don't have old stretched out underwear that I feel obligated to wear anymore because <laughs> there's not enough space for it. I couldn't keep it if I if I wanted to. So yeah, that's that's been a huge contributor to, uh, to genuine lifestyle simplicity and happiness. I think it it speaks volumes that that book has been the number one bestseller in America for the past, I think, year or two. Has it really? Yeah, it's been, I think if you look on Amazon and basically every a lot of the different stats or whatever, it's been like the number one book. Interesting. So I wanted to talk to you about uh, going down a different path. You had your TEDx talk that was why people should code. And I think over like 100,000 people watched that. So it was a really good TEDx talk. You did good. You're a good speaker. Uh, <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, talk to me more about just how development has changed the way that you approach problems. At Derek Sivers has a great answer to this. I'm trying to remember his, his wording. But it comes down to if you are the type of person that likes solving problems, if you like putting puzzles together, if you like finding cool, clever hacks to, to make a process just a little bit easier to do, if it really drives you crazy when someone's doing something inefficiently and you have a better way to do it, you have to learn to program because that is the best tool that has ever existed in the history of mankind for automating and fixing these kind of processes. So for me, the way my brain works, that I, I kind of have to be solving things at a fundamental level and making things better. Uh, so coding was just inevitable for me. And I love it because I can, you know, most of the things that we do now are digital. Most of the, uh, you know, we have a giant picture collection. Instead of having photo albums, we have digital files of pictures. Instead of having file cabinets full of file archives and things. We just have a giant Dropbox folder full of files. So if you have these tools of being able to 
tell your computer what you want it to do and go and have it do it a million times. You can work in this virtual space now. So if I wanted to do something with every single picture that I own, if I wanted to make uh, a sepia copy of it and put it in a little thumbnail and make a big poster out of it, that's, you know, a two line command now that I could do. Um, so it's, it's, it makes you much more powerful in the digital space. It, it, greatly extends what you would otherwise be capable of doing. Do you think people will get left behind in 20, 30 years if they don't know how to code? Oh, I think they're left behind right now, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Looking at uh, the companies that have been the most successful, the it's it's all web companies. The, I think there's a statistic that uh, it's something like 60% of Fortune 500 companies have a CEO with an engineering background. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, this is these are the people that are taking over the world. These are the people that are going to be the most effective, that are going to be able to... to be the most productive in the things that they do. Yeah, speaking uh, from somebody who doesn't know how to code, but has bought random HTML and CSS books several <laughs> times and just basically learned a little bit past Hello World, it's almost like dieting. I've like, I know that I, I need to keep learning and growing that knowledge base and I want to, and I've had the desire several points in my life to sit down and do it, but really struggled uh, to somehow get past that barrier and whatever it is. And, you know, I just keep thinking that maybe one day there'll be and big enough of an inciting incident for to to get me over there you know what would you say to people who are kind of in that boat because it's like it's aggravating for me somebody who loves business and trying to come up with creative solutions but they're almost all technology based and you know what would you say to me if you're just being directly honest and just be like Keith you need to get off your butt and learn because <laughs> I you know I just struggle I guess that the excuses in my head have been well I, I'm already 25. Uh, maybe I'm left behind to try to go out and learn it now. Sure, I could go out and join some, you know, six-week immersive camp and pay ten grand or something to go learn and code, and I'm sure it would be worth it. But it's just, it's a lot, you know. It's a life-changing shift to go out and do that right now, especially like trying to work on all these other crafts of, you know, making videos and film and things like that. What advice would you have for me? It is a lot. I would say uh, for you, you're making it too difficult. It's not about code. It's coding sucks. Coding is terrible. In an ideal world, you could just talk to the computer and say, hey, I'd like you to do this thing. And it would say, okay, I'll go out and do that thing. The way that works for me, at least, and for the people that I've taught to really uh, make it fun and to, to, to motivate yourself to actually get it done is not to focus on coding, but to focus on projects to say, okay, I want to get this thing done because this thing is going to make my life better. This is going to enable me to do this thing. This is going to give me that superpower. And whatever it takes, I'm going to get this thing done. Whether that means learning just enough that I can hire someone to do it, that I can outsource it, and that I just understand the basic terminology of what they're saying, or that I'm coding it myself, or that I hack something together in Excel. The other thing I would say is coding comes in a lot of different forms. Fundamentally, for me, I would say that coding is just the process of automating something that you don't want to do. So Alyssa doesn't call herself a coder, but I would say she's totally a coder because she is fantastic at Excel and Excel macros. And she can do things in Excel that I would not be able to do if not for coding. So really just focusing, to, to bring that home, focusing on things that you want to accomplish over things that you want to code and just trying to get that done however you can. And then realizing that you don't necessarily need to learn a programming language, that you can just learn a process of automation. And I would call that coding. Yeah. Derek Sivers says something. Are you a Sivers fan as well, Alyssa? Secondarily through him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Derek I think I'm forced to become one, basically, at this yeah. point. 
I got to see him speak at WDS last year, and I, I've read his book since, or listened to his audiobook, uh, Anything You Want. But I know his story, and something that I really loved that he said was basically he was talking about how he was developing CD Baby, which was his baby, and it was his business. And he didn't, I don't think he really knew how to code. He just went to the library and learned books on how to code and things like that, which is so much easier now. But he was basically saying, like, this is his work of art. And if you want to be the artist behind it, you can't do that unless you learn how to code. Mm-hmm. And so it's like building a technology business. It's not just about... It is about solving a need, but to a certain extent, it's like, well, if you're not putting in the time and effort to basically really really understand your product, it's like you're not you're not working that well with your artistry. So just want to wind down on a couple of little rapid fire questions. So why did you guys decide to go with the Class C motorhome over like a tow behind trailer or truck or camper or something like that? Lots of research. There's another blog post (laughs) about this. And it came down to um, the size that we wanted. So Class A is too big for us, basically being able to go to state parks or pull through a spot in Walmart was really nice. And then being able to have the the fallback secondary, like if there's an emergency. So if the RV broke down, we pull the car with us, we could drive the car, and then we have our bikes in a super emergency. And then same thing, if the car breaks down, we have the RV. But still being able to go to the grocery store and not have to find four spots to park the RV in it, we can take the car instead. Yeah. It was anything. And then the floor plan we liked. Yeah. Being able to have that over the cab bed, which seems like a better use of floor space than a bed that you use only when you're asleep. And then the whole time you're awake, it's just taking up room. What do you guys use for internet on the road? Mostly his data through his phone. Just my Verizon. Oh, I think it's AT&T. Yes, AT&T. Okay. And do you guys have health insurance for while you guys are traveling, or is it still like stationary through maybe your parents? Through our parents. Yeah. Okay, because yeah. you guys are young. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I'm doing the same thing until <laughs> I turn 26. Oh. Well, awesome. I don't really have any more questions. Thank you guys so much for being on the podcast with me. I appreciate Absolutely. it. Yeah. Thank you for Thanks having us on. It's super cool. Hey guys, make sure to check out the show notes from this episode over at heathpaget.com forward slash episode 11. That's episode spelled out and then the number 11. And real quick, if you don't know what show notes are, basically those are any of the links that we mentioned in this podcast episode where you can find Christian and Alyssa online, their blogs, uh, Christian's TEDx talk, things like that. And occasionally I'll also write a blog post with kind of the biggest takeaway that I got from my interview. So you can find all of that over at heathpaget.com forward slash episode 11, episode spelled out and the number 11. On the next episode, uh, next week, I'll be sitting down with two adventure photographers who are traveling all over the country in their Winnebago view. Their names are Kathy and Peter Holcomb, and they are sponsored by companies like Winnebago, GoPro, Jackson Kayaks, and several more. And last year, they spent over 170 days out of the year out on the water kayaking and taking photos of clients as they visited national parks all over the country. We'll be talking about how they got started taking professional photos, built up a client base, took it on the road, and also some of the basics of how to take a great photo. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast in iTunes or in Stitcher, I would love for you to do that. Also would love to hear from you uh, in a review format. I've mentioned this several times at the end of the show, but those things are like gold for podcasters. I read them all the time, check them a lot. I think we're at 37 reviews in iTunes right now, um, and the podcast has gotten uh, around 10,000 downloads so i would love it if more of you could uh you know leave a review and just let me know how you're enjoying the show that would mean the world to me and i'll see you guys next week